live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Wednesday evening, 833-482-5337 is our phone number. If you want to join our late-night national conversation, 833-4-VALDEZ. Of course, I'm at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and that is Valdez with an S at the end. And uh, just about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, the House has voted to censor Adam Schiff. I always get tongue-tied there. He has been censured. Here, look at this. Uh, Adam Schiff has been censured by the House of Representatives for his role peddling the Russia hoax against uh, President Donald Trump. Schiff also misrepresented the telephone call between uh, President Trump and uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky, which led to the first impeachment against the 45th president. So he's lucky that's all he's, uh, you know, uh, being held accountable for. Now, this comes after um, a measure to find Schiff, $16 million, failed after the protests of Democrats and uh, Republicans like Thomas Massey and some others. So, and this is, again, according to the National Pulse. So we have a, a clip of audio from that. I want you to hear it. Listen to this. Resolution 521, the House is resolved. That the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California. For misleading the American public. And for, and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives, the Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. That Representative Adam Schiff will be censured with the public reading of this resolution by the Speaker. And that the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's falsehoods, misrepresentations, and abuse of sensitive information. To my Republican colleagues who introduced this resolution, I thank you. You honor me with your enmity. You flatter me with this falsehood. You who are the authors of a big lie about the last election must condemn the truth tellers and I stand proudly before you. Your words tell me that I have been effective in the defense of our democracy and I am grateful. Today I wear this partisan vote as a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor for Adam Schiff. Let me tell you, when you have a speech that's so cleverly crafted, that means you knew this thing was coming. And of course, this was uh, originally proposed last week by uh, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, Republican from Florida. And uh, it, it failed to um, to get to a vote. But this week they got it done. And uh, kudos to her and everybody that held Adam Schiff accountable for being a big fake phony and fraud uh, because despite what he's saying, and he sounds so good saying it, he's really good at this. 
And he really is good at always being blameless and, you know, keeping his hands clean. And it's not, it's not me, it's them, right? That's how he always does it. But uh, the reality is he constantly went to television saying, we've got the evidence, we've got the evidence, we've got this, we've got that. And despite all of this evidence that they said they had, there was no evidence. And we know that why? Because Mueller came up with nothing in his investigation, as did the guy from today. Help me out here. What's his name? Special Counsel Durham. I was drawing a blank. Thank you. So now Special Counsel Durham, he also had some testimony today. And boy, did they give him a hard time as well. Now, I I find this interesting because it's amazing that the little bit that we do, right? And when I say we, I mean we the people, right? I think today this was a victory for we the people in the fact that in the annals of history, it'll always be recorded there in the congressional record that Adam Schiff was censured by the um, the House of Representatives for doing what he did, for misleading the public, for misrepresenting the, the facts, for, for just, you know, screwing this up. For You know, he, he lied. He lied. I think they're being generous here. Uh, he, he, when I say screwing this up, I mean America, right? <laughs> He's literally damaging part of the fabric of our country. And this is, uh, in my opinion, this is part of why this is so egregious. So I'm glad that this happened today. But there was also testimony from Durham. And I want to get into that as well because everybody wants to know what he had to say. They want to know why there were no additional charges brought and I think he, he put out some of the information out there, but I know I was left still with, uh, with the question remaining of why we didn't do this. And I, the inclination that I get um, is that he didn't feel that he was going to be able to bring the case that he may have wanted to bring. And being experienced with the bureaucracy in Washington and realizing that the Department of Justice is not entirely impar- impartial, he brought what he could. He indicted a couple of people that he felt he could indict and, and, get, a, and get a conviction on, and he didn't, right? Even, even that didn't work. We saw how that worked out when um, Dan Chenko and the other ones uh, took the stand, and it became a, a big issue, and it just didn't work. So the swamp won that round. But the people need to, to hear from Durham. We've got a number of clips from him. Plus, we're going to connect with the uh, former chief of the criminal division in New York for the Department of Justice, Doug Burns. He's going to join us to give his uh, opinion, his analysis on what Durham was saying in today's hearing. And again, he didn't get to say a ton because some people were just cutting him off. All right, we got one clip. I think we have time for this one before we um, go for the first pause. This is uh, John Durham, and he's at a hearing today, and he doesn't even get a chance to really speak. Right. Because they just keep going and going. Clip number five. This is uh, Representative Hank Johnson interrogating Durham, not giving him a chance at all. Listen to this. And none of the individuals you prosecuted were ever charged with being part of a hoax or a fraud or a witch hunt or a politically motivated deep state conspiracy against Donald Trump. Isn't that correct? I would not say that that's accurate. You mean you did charge somebody with being a part of a hoax? We charged Mr. Sussman with having knowingly provided false information to the FBI regarding Alpha Bank. But he was was acquitted, though, right? That wasn't your question. Well, he was Mr. Sussman was acquitted after you charged him, correct? 
Grand jury found He was probable. found innocent by a jury of, uh, by a unanimous jury of 12. That's not true. Well. What's true is the grand jury found probable cause to indict Mr. Sussman. A, a, a jury of a his peers ju- acquitted him, though, correct? And a trial you're jury. Not, you're not going to disagree on that, are you, uh, Mr. Durham? I'm going to try to answer your question as well. Well, let me ask you this. All right, as you can see, uh, Hank Johnson wants it his way and won't allow the facts to come forward. Uh, Again, this is typical Washington uh, BS. We see it all the time. But this is how he was treated on Capitol Hill. So it it comes as uh, no surprise to me that if he were to really try and bring an indictment where he brings down everybody from Barack Obama to Joe Biden, I mean, could you really imagine if that were to ever happen? It won't happen. And that's why. Because you can barely get to the lackeys that are on the outskirts of this that are doing the dirt and doing the damage uh, without... um, experiencing acquittals because they end up getting tried in the swamp. So we've got our hands full, as they say. uh, We've got our work cut out for us. Anyway, more to come straight ahead on this and everything else. Doug Burns is going to join us. Our phone number, if you have a question or a comment, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And it's not just in the halls of Congress where you hear a lot of BS being uh, flung around. It happens all over the place. And there's malfeasance and self-dealing and wrongdoing going on no matter where you look. Uh, An employee of the world's largest asset management company, BlackRock, was caught on tape describing how the company attempts to stay out of the media spotlight while buying politicians and profiting off of war. And that's according to undercover footage obtained by O'Keefe Media Group, OMG. Of course, O'Keefe Media Group is headed up by James O'Keefe, uh, who's, uh, if you've listened to this program, you've heard him before, who's a fantastic guerrilla journalist and is one of the, I would say, the premier um, modern-day Nellie Bly-type journalist out there that's uh, really getting into things and letting you know exactly what's going on. And we've got James O'Keefe with us, but I want to give you a taste of some of what he uncovered. We have a short clip of what one of the BlackRock, uh, BlackRock employees, a recruiter, had to say. Listen to this. But they don't want to be in the news. They, they don't want people to talk about them. They don't want to be anywhere on the radar. Why not? I don't know, but I suspect it's probably because it's easier to do things when people aren't thinking about it. All of these financial institutions, they buy politicians. You can take this big ton of money, and then you can start to buy people. I work for BlackRock. Meet Serge Varley, a recruiter at BlackRock. All right, and there you have it. Good old Serge got caught with his proverbial pants down. James O'Keefe, founder of O'Keefe Media Group. How are you, sir? Hey there, Rich. Uh, Great to be with you, and it's good to hear your voice. Likewise, brother. So this is an amazing story that you got here. Uh, You you always seem to to get into the deepest, darkest places and find uh, the the most corrupt people saying the truth. Uh, Tell us uh, how you stumbled upon this one. 
Well, I can't tell you everything how we got <laughs> it, but one of our brave investigative reporters met with this person a few times. We've been on this sort of vanguard, Black Rock, State Street beat, trying to expose what's really going on because, you know, I got wind of this, this the fact that Pfizer and Fox, you know, I looked at the ownership and the, the majority uh, stakeholders in these companies almost mirror each other with wow. 18% of Fox Corporation being um, bought by BlackRock. So we, we decided to take a look and had a few sources, and we, we decided what better place to start than the, the gatekeeper, the self-described gatekeeper recruiting operations inside these companies. The, who are these people that make these decisions? So we spoke to a guy who worked for J.P. Morgan, then Citadel, now BlackRock. His name is Serge. And he says some crazy things that don't surprise any of us, but will, I believe, wake people up. And, and you know, what's interesting here is, that, again, most of us are living our lives. We don't, um, you know, wake up today and go, I wonder who owns the top media corporations or if, you know, if the biggest pharmaceutical companies have the same type of ownership structure uh, or investment structure as other. But the reality is there there is some overlap and these people are pulling the strings and controlling what happens uh, at a global scale. And it's fascinating to, to hear somebody that's on the inside brag about it as if it's all good. So um, if you walk us through it, I, I know we had the clip and we heard him saying that, you know, we can, we can buy the politicians. What was, um, I guess, the, uh, the money shot for you? It was a few things. I mean, the fact that he was talking about, you know, war is good for his business. The Ukraine war is good for BlackRock because the grain the silos are being bombed by Russia. And then they, there's volatility in the market. That's probably not surprising, but I think it's eye-opening. The fact he mm -hmm. said you could buy a senator for $10,000, that seemed rather cheap to me. I thought it was very cheap. But he said it doesn't matter who. <laughs> it's very cheap. But he's not wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's true that, that the influence that these institutions have um, and the fact that he says they're all in my pocket and the way he says it, he's almost villainous in how he does it. It's, it's evil. It's dark. It's narcissistic. It's, it's, it's filled with avarice and greed and power. Um, it's everything that you think you would see in a Wall Street executive. He says he decides people's fate. He says it's not who the president is. It's who's controlling the wall of the president. And war is real effing good for business. So to see this guy talk about the power that he has over people um, and the culture of BlackRock, some people say, well, that's just one guy, mid-level guy. They always say that about my stories, that these are just mid-level people. It's only one person. It's like, well, how many instances do you need to see? And right. I think to expose the collective, you have to expose the individual. You have to reveal something to show anything. So I think this is a start for us, and it's inspiring other people to come forward. Well, and, you know, to your point you just made, I think it's um, important to underscore that, you know, somebody could try to attack your, your journalism by saying this is a, you know, mid-level guy or whatever and what have you. But the reality is the high-level guy has way much more to lose and is usually way better at being rehearsed and making sure they don't say these things and they're super careful and they use burner phones and all that. So oftentimes it takes somebody who's a little bit um, less savvy to tell the truth and get caught telling it where, voila, you know, they end up on video. I mean, if I caught the CEO on tape, maybe I will. People would still say it doesn't matter. They, they, but rather than, <laughs> say, they, 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 rather than say that it's a low-level guy, they'll say, well, nothing will happen to him, so it doesn't matter. It's like 
I think people bask in their cynicism and their hopelessness because that's their comfort zone. I think it's psychological mm. for people out there, even people that agree with, with what we're doing. I think they feel better about themselves by saying it doesn't matter, maybe because they don't do it themselves. But it does matter. And the reason it matters is because if it changes one person, I was talking to Alex Stein tonight on his show, mm -hmm. if it just changes one person's mind or one person's heart, it really does matter. I mean, we all make a difference in various ways. Not everyone has to do what I do. Some people just raise kids or they're a teacher. We need good teachers. I don't think there's very many good teachers, but there are some. I mean, everyone makes a difference. So I know why it matters, not because the video got tens of millions of views and it's got 300,000 tweets and it's trending. That's not why it matters. It matters because it's now inspired other people to come to me today inside BlackRock. That's why it matters because it empowered other insiders to message James O'Keefe and OMG and say they want to give us information. It inspired them and that matters. Right. And you know what? I think that's an excellent point as well. And you've seen this happen when uh, you went inside of Twitter and you got whistleblowers from Twitter, you got whistleblowers from Facebook uh, inside the federal government. Oftentimes it's that catalyst that people need to say, wow, they went out there and they did that. You know, look at the look at the brass set on this person. I want to do that, too. And it does inspire people to go out there and make a change. Now, if people want to um, make a change, uh, let them know. Where do they go? Where do they find you? How do they get involved? They just go to uh, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. There's our contact form. You can go to Signal. It, the number is in my um, – the number is actually in my bio. Uh, if you're listening to this show, you can actually just go ahead and go to any of my social media bios. Signal number is um, 914 Three one five nine four one five. That's nine one four three one five nine four one five. You can. It's easy to. You can DM me. I mean, it's easy to get in touch. I think people are afraid to do so because they think the feds are monitoring and watching and observing. And they're probably right. They're going to be afraid to get audited. And people say yes, of course, but they're not going to audit a hundred million people. Um, there's, there's. You got to conquer your fears in this country because otherwise, um, otherwise we can't. We can't we can't do the right thing and we can't turn the tide. And I think, I think we're reaching a turning point right now where people are waking up to it. And I hope that they continue coming to OMG. They do. Uh, James, stick with us. I have another clip that I want to play for you and I want people to get a really good sense of exactly how they can help your movement. So we'll be right back, folks. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Don't go anywhere. Our guest is James O'Keefe. We're coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Time. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
He says, first, there's the senators. You got 10 grand. You can buy yourself one. Folks, welcome back. We're on with James O'Keefe. And uh, this is Serge Varley from BlackRock just bragging about what's going on. Uh, I saw one report that said he asked the undercover journalist from OMG, O'Keefe Media Group, if, in fact, uh, she was undercover. And (laughs) he said what he said anyway. James O'Keefe, welcome back. How do you... um, how do you square somebody asking somebody, hey, you're not undercover, and then going ahead and saying what they say anyway? You know, I square it the following way, Rich, that, that people, um, it's sort of outside their experience when they're sitting down with someone that that person could possibly be getting the best of them, that that, that person could be a covert, undercover person. We've seen this time and time again to say, you're not an undercover journalist, are you? Okay, fine, then I'll tell you about the secret, <laughs> the evil deeds. It's just right. so outside of their experience. But this guy actually said right around that point, he goes, this is so beyond people. I thought the most profound comment by the BlackRock guy in the video that we just released was mm-hmm. him saying this is beyond people's understanding. It was like this narcissistic um, attitude that people can't understand what he's saying or they don't want to. They're asleep. I thought that was a really profound thing for him to say because he's right on mm-hmm. some level. I think the vast majority of people, not maybe the vast majority, but a substantial minority of people are. But I think he was wrong on another level because I think people are waking up to it and his words will help people do that. So that was a really important comment he made right there. Yeah, and I also I also think uh, he, he said, you know, I, uh, he mentioned that he asked uh, because regular people don't or normal people don't care about BlackRock or don't give a crap about BlackRock. And, and I thought, that's probably right. a very true statement, <laughs> right? I think most everyday Americans are like, what's BlackRock? And if you know, it's probably because your company invests in, in BlackRock in one way or another, and that's how you know. Now, James O'Keefe, I know that um, you've been on before and we've talked about this, but I think it, it's always good to remind people that you know you started this entire enterprise of, of guerrilla journalism uh, you know, out of your basement in Bergen County, New Jersey, and actually started in Rutgers University. And, and you've taken it nationwide, built it to the top, did it again. And here you are continuing to make um, strides and, and make waves and, and expose the truth, which I think is important. And I think that's inspiring in and of itself. But for those that, you know, whether they're retired or they're 18 years old and they're looking at this and they're listening to the show right now and they're saying, man, I want to get involved. I want to make a difference. How do how do they, um, you know, uh, make that contribution if they not everybody can be an undercover journalist, but everybody can do something. What's the website? Website is O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. And people, Rich, they often say, James, how can I help you? Well, you right. can really help by supporting us financially, and please do that. Whatever it's 10 bucks, mm-hmm. we'll give you a month's subscription for 10 bucks, and it'll, it'll be valuable to you because you'll get courses on how to do what I do, which if, not, if, if we'll not inspire to go do it, we'll certainly entertain you. 
But I think the better question is, how can you help yourself? Like, if you just say, what can I do to help me expose? It's like, well, why don't you go out and try to do something? I mean, I, even if it's go to your school board meeting, I went to, Rich, you're from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. I went to my Bergen County, Westwood, New Jersey school board meeting. And I just walked up to the microphone and I, I actually don't get scared. Literally, I, I, I don't, I, I like confronting people and I'm calmer doing that than when I'm just living my life. But <laughs> going up to that microphone in the school board meeting, even I got butterflies. So I bet. you guys can do that. You guys can go do that in your local municipalities. You can start there and see how it goes. It's not, it's low risk. Just say hello, identify yourself, speak your mind. It's a start. Absolutely. Well, James O'Keefe, I want to thank you for being here. Folks, give him a follow on all of the social media. Uh, it's James O'Keefe, I, I, I for the third James O'Keefe, uh, I, I, I. And uh, one more time, give him the website or that signal number. That's, that's O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. If everybody just donates right now, supports us, we can, we can keep doing these stories on BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street and find out who's really behind this in our country. It, it, it requires independent investigative journalism. I promise you I will never stop, and um, no one tells me what to do, so please support us. Thank you. All right, folks, you heard it. Put your hand in your pocket. Send them a couple of bucks. James O'Keefe is out there uh, fighting for the truth, and uh, we've got his back. James, thanks for being here. All the best. Godspeed. All right, take care. You bet. All right, folks, your calls and more are coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, going to your calls and more. Let's see. What do we got here? Doc, Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Doc, welcome. Rich, you are a patriot and an American patriot, and you're a voice in the wilderness, and I, I salute you, sir. Thank you're you, likewise. You're worthy of success, Jim. So is Mr. James O'Keefe. As far as my state of Delaware, I call it Smellware. It, it's like a fish that rots to the head. I just want you to, your <laughs> You're right. The to fish know, always rots listen, from the head. I just want listeners to know that the greatest money laundering case in American history was with Wells Fargo. It took place in an office right here in Delaware. I know people that knew of it. They were powerless. The man who exposed the whistleblower was, was ruined. He had to take his case out of, out of state to Philadelphia in federal court where he won a major whistleblower case in the tens of millions of dollars. And, and, and uh, uh, Wells Fargo was fined billions of dollars by the federal government for the money laundering, but nobody was put in jail. That's the way this country runs. That's the way this state runs. Mr. O'Keefe should investigate the entire state of Delaware's financial system, including our chancery court. He would find how he would find, as they say, drudgery, high, high, high dudgeon in high places. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny you say that. Because you're talking about something that happened a long time ago. But we don't have to look that far back, right, Doc? There, there was um, some crazy stuff that just happened yesterday where we saw that Hunter Biden's getting away with a, a whole lot. Uh, and nobody seems to bat an eye. In fact, everybody's kind of, you know, on, on his side of the aisle, everybody's kind of like, yeah, no, this is a big deal. Can, can you believe they're even charging the guy? You know, they seem like so shocked. And on the other side of the aisle, uh, they're saying, you know, I, I can't believe they're only charging him with that. And I don't think anybody will ever be happy. But it is interesting to see how Hunter really uh, kind of got a pass, Doc. Yes, indeed. You, you, you know, it, it's interesting to me that they didn't um, they didn't charge him with money laundering. They were investigating him for five years for money laundering, but he never ended up getting charged with it. Now, again, there's a reality that perhaps they investigated him for money laundering. They found that he didn't launder any money. All he did at worst was not pay a hundred grand in taxes, and that's what they're charging him with. But I, I just find it so interesting that you know. They, they investigated Trump for a, a lot shorter period and, and went all in, right, on, on the, the current indictment. So it just, it, it does seem like it's, uh, uh, if, if, if two is the number, uh, a two-tiered system of justice, that, who knows, they might add more tiers as the days go by, right, Doc? Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it, Doc. Thanks for the call. And, you know, giving Hunter Biden a diversion program. And we talked about this with the cash Patel when he was on last night is odd for, for someone uh, from what Mr. Patel pointed out that isn't currently on drugs. Now he was clearly uh, involved in an addiction issue and maybe still struggles with it. But as far as we know, he's clean. And, and the idea of these diversion programs is to help people that are in the midst of their addiction so that they can get the treatment that they need. So, um, you know, I'm reading a piece in the New York Post. It says that they find this particularly insulting to the intelligence of all of us, we, we the people, right, the American people, because Hunter's no longer an addict. Having attended treatment and taken up painting and he had, still has business deals and he's making money again, um, but we're going to treat him like a junkie that they picked up in a drug sweep. This is from the article. And everyone's going to pretend that this is about addiction rather than corruption. The Justice Department continues to refuse to confirm what it means by ongoing investigation, but it hasn't often used this claim uh, when it's refusing information with Congress. Again, this is a piece by Jonathan Turley. Very good piece. I recommend it. So he goes on to say, there is reason to be suspicious. First, no one can explain why it took five years for the investigation of two minor tax counts and a gun allegation that could have been confirmed in a month. Indeed, an IRS whistleblower alleged that Hunter was given preferential treatment and that the whistleblower's team was removed from further work on that case by the Department of Justice. And we, we, we heard from that whistleblower. He was a guest on this program after testifying on Capitol Hill. Hunter also never faced any charges after videotaping himself engaged in interstate violations involving a host of prostitutes and drugs. That's now simply just material for his scrapbook. Matter of fact, the front page of the New York Post has a picture of Hunter Biden in the nude, by the way, holding this gun. And this, I think, is particularly problematic if they're charging him with lying on the application for being um, 
an addict and, and still obtaining a firearm. So I, I just think it's, um, it's an interesting thing the way that he, he gets off with this, you know, a little bit of a media frenzy for a few days in June, late June at that and Manafort and so many others, they really got beat up, right? They literally got dragged out of their homes. Just, just fascinating to me, honestly, really is. Anyway, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. The telephone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Or if you prefer to uh, get at us online, I know some people do. I've been, I always look at the comments, whether they're positive or negative, I look at them. I don't get to respond to everybody, but I do look at them. And there's a, a, a user, I forget the name uh, that they're using online, but every day he says something like, please, please do an interesting show today because you're so boring. <laughs> uh, he entertains me. So uh, I appreciate your uh, your critique, and I'm hoping the show meets your standard. And honestly, I'm not hoping that. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. There's a lot of options out there, but we're definitely the largest, and we're live. And taking your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Do these cases reflect a different standard of justice depending on political leanings? So, as I said, uh, from the moment of my um, appointment as attorney general, I would leave this matter in the hands of the United States attorney who was appointed by the previous president and assigned to this matter by the previous administration that he would be given full authority to decide the matter as he decided was appropriate. Um, and uh, that's what he's done. And if you have any further questions about that matter, you should direct him to the U.S. attorney uh, to explain his decision. All right. That's Attorney General Merrick Garland. And he's saying, um, again, he isn't saying no, right? Does this concern you that there is a two-tiered system of justice? I would say, no, I'm not concerned because there isn't one. But no, he doesn't say that. He goes into this whole soliloquy of blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And, and you heard him say it. I'm not going to repeat it. But fascinating, right? Merrick Garland uh, won't answer the question, but goes on to his own response in many ways. Fascinating. We look at the Hunter Biden, the uh, two, two counts of not paying your taxes, and an allegation of lying on an application for a gun. Nothing about the Foreign Agents Registration Act where he was working as a foreign agent, right? Again, and this is what this is what they went after Manafort for. Yet nothing for Hunter Biden. And again, Paul Manafort, maybe back in the Nixon era, he had some access, but he wasn't meeting with the a vice president or the president of the United States, though a Hunter was. Hunter had a lot of access. 
right? His dad was vice president at the time, and his dad's president right now. So clearly, uh, you, you tell me who's got more influence, who's got more access, Paul Manafort or Hunter Biden. To me, the answer is clear, right? It's Hunter Biden. Anyway, it wouldn't have taken, according to Turley, it wouldn't take five years to establish this crime because it was done in way less time with Manafort. However, Hunter seems to have just been given a pass. And this is what was likely the greatest concern for the White House. So the most notable omission of the indictment against Hunter Biden was the failure of any apparent investigation into the expanding scandal surrounding the influence peddling, the whole operation that's run by the Biden family. Despite the release of the evidence of the House Oversight Committee showing potentially millions of dollars transferred to Biden family members from foreign sources, Attorney General Merrick Garland has blocked any appointment of a special counsel. Nothing. Not a zilch. And why... uh, um, Turley posits this refusal has continued even with references that, that to President Biden as the big guy who was supposed to receive a percentage of the deals and the recent disclosure of bribery allegations by a trusted FBI uh, informant. So why? What's going on here? We all know what's going on here. Everybody's getting a pass. I mean, again, innocent until proven guilty. Clearly. Uh, are we going to get to see Hunter proven guilty? Uh, we won't because he's accepting guilt on lesser charges. He's gotten a great plea deal. And it, it's, uh, again, I know that is in the MO of the Department of Justice. That's how they roll. That's how they keep those conviction rates high. But according to those uh, who are or were in the employee of DOJ and worked as prosecutors, uh, from what I'm hearing, nobody gets deals like this. So we're going to continue that conversation uh, into the next hour. We're also going to uh, circle back and talk about what's going on. I don't mean circle back like Jen, circle back, Pasaki, silent P. I mean, we're going to circle back to the Durham testimony. Uh, because the Durham testimony today was, uh, again, not a big surprise to me. And I don't think it's a big surprise to you. But overall, I think it was it was telling. It was telling to see how they treated him and how they really just didn't give him a chance. But we do have a couple of clips of him uh, doing what he does, laying out the facts and uh, trying to set the record straight. And I wish he would have done better. I I wish uh, he would have had more success. But we're going to delve into that momentarily. So if you want to join that conversation, feel free. Our guest is going to be Doug Burns, uh, former chief of the criminal division uh, at the Department of Justice in New York. And the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDES. Give us a call, or you could just chime in online at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. Hour number two on Wednesday evening. If you want to join our late-night national town hall forum, I invite you to do that right now. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And Congressman Adam Schiff was censured by the House of Representatives today. His colleagues in the House uh, voted to do so because they felt that he had misled Americans throughout the uh, Russia investigation, lying and saying that he had evidence that Trump was a Russian asset. And this evidence clearly never came to light because both FBI Director Mueller in his role as the uh, special investigator or whatnot and Special Counsel Durham in his most recent report both concluded that this uh, was the product of Hillary Clinton, her campaign for president, the law firm that she hired, a, I don't know what to call him, uh, former spy, MI6 spy, Christopher Steele, who put together a dossier of internet reports from fake news sources that made stuff up about Trump that wasn't true. And that was really it. And all I could think is, wow, it was that easy to, to try and fool most Americans. You know, and I mean, literally, these conversations, they go from, from, but he's a Russian agent to, well, you know, Manafort had a conversation about polls with somebody. I mean, it just, it's amazing how, you know, it's one, a leap from here, a leap to there. It's just, uh, it's interesting to me. But anyway, uh, that's what happened with Schiff. Uh, of course, there's uh, other news. The Fed is now predicting that they will continue to raise rates. Uh, maybe not just this last one uh, that they took a pass on, but they say that's we're not out of the woods yet. There's been a vote to impeach President Biden, uh, pushed by... Representative Lauren Boebert, kudos to her. However, Speaker McCarthy is not backing that impeachment vote. We'll get to that a little bit later on because I'm wondering why. And I, I could uh, have a lot of you know speculation as to why, but that's that. And also, the uh, search continues for the people that were on a submarine looking for the Titanic. And lamentably, they're, they're still missing. News reports are saying they have just a little bit of oxygen left. Uh, I can't imagine anyone coming back from this. And and I, I don't mean to insult anybody who might know somebody on there. I just, this seems like it's a done deal to me. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. And, of course, John Durham. John Durham testified today uh, in, uh, not behind closed doors, but in an open session in Congress and we have a couple of clips of that audio. I want you to uh, listen to the first clip. This is John Durham at the hearing today saying there was no collusion or conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia. Listen to this. To date, has any evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia ever been uncovered? 
I mean, there is, there is information, obviously, in the um, report that was prepared by Director Mueller uh, and whatnot. But as uh, to collusion or conspiracy, I'm not aware of any. And, and, when, and, and let me stop you. When the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane, that's the issue at hand, it did not have any information that anyone in the Trump campaign had ever been in contact with Russian intelligence officials. Isn't that right? As we wrote in, as we wrote in the, um, uh, the report, we talked to the director of the CIA, the deputy director of the CIA, the director of NSA, um, uh, and people within the uh, FBI. And there was no such information that they had in their holdings at the time they opened Crossfire Hurricane. Well, there you go. That was uh, part of uh, how he opened his uh, hearing today. And uh, his testimony, rather. And I think it's interesting. But they they continued, they continued, they continued. And I want to uh, get a sense of of what this looks like from the other side, right? Not from my critical eyes here on the radio, but from somebody who's worked as a federal prosecutor, who was chief of the criminal division in New York. Doug Burns, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So let's um, let's get the skinny on this. I mean, I think it's pretty uh, cut and dry here, but I think the reason that we're having this oversight hearing, I don't believe is political theater. Well, I think some might think that. I don't think so. I think that they're doing this because obviously there's a report, right? And everything that Durham had to say, he would put into the report. The, the bigger question is, in in looking at the report, we see that he indicted Mr. Sussman and I think uh, another person, but but he didn't indict anybody else that many of us thought should have been indicted. And the question that we take from all of this is, was he afraid or did he have any reason to believe that he could not have brought the case? Uh, now I surmise in looking at what he did with Mr. Sussman, where it looked like he had um, the intention and the, I guess the, um, the evidence to, to bring a prosecution that I believe he intended to secure as a conviction but it, it didn't work. So it, do you think that's part of why he he didn't bring any others because he thought that he wouldn't get a fair shake in a D.C. courtroom, or is there more to it? No, it's a very good question. Um, <clears throat> some pundits and experts are saying, Rich, that he was potentially hamstrung a little bit by uh, Maine Justice, the problem of justice. I don't sign on to that 100%. Uh, because the counterpoint to that is that, you know, he still could have gone ahead and tried to subpoena, you know, Comey and Strzok and all of them, the whole cast of characters. Uh, the Sussman thing, I think the uh, listeners will find interesting. I mean, it jumped right out to me in two seconds that that's what's called jury nullification. Uh, one of the jurors said, oh, we felt you shouldn't have even brought this case. I mean, they were in a very, very hostile hornet's nest sort of environment, um, and and the the verdict reflected it. I, I'm disgusted, frankly. Maybe that's a little strong when I hear the politicians say, "And there was an acquittal." I mean, they have no idea what they're talking about. With all respect, right. Rich, the point is, it was a hostile jury pool environment, et cetera, et cetera. But <clears throat> that begs the question on your very good. Uh, your very good question is, why didn't he go forward <clears throat> on these others? I really can't answer that, but I find it interesting that, you know, both sides uh, of the spectrum are upset with him. Um, you know, the right does have every right to be upset with him. He should have been more aggressive. I mean, one uh, <clears throat> expert who I know, Brett Tolman, he was saying that, 
you know, when they picked him, they knew he wasn't the type of personality. And you saw it today. You know, he is a little bit restrained and sort of laid back. Um, so Brett's theory was, you know, they picked him knowing full well <clears throat> that he wasn't going to really start button heads and, you know, cracking skulls type of thing. Um, and, you know, maybe that partially explains it. But again, there's no reason whatsoever um, that those who lied up and down shouldn't have been more aggressively pursued, in my opinion. Just no question about it. And then on the main thing, I like what you said because you were really on to something, and that is that what's much more troubling right now in our society is not that you have two crystal clear manifestations of the fact that there was no collusion, period, okay? And by the way, it was started, you know, by a political candidate. And, and, and on that score from 30,000 feet, you can have political dirty tricks all day long between politicians. But once you bring in law enforcement and their credibility uh, to try to sell it and the media and their supposed, albeit declining credibility, then you got real problems because you've got the media and law enforcement running interference. So even today, and this was your point, what they do is it's like a magic trick, okay? It's like David Copperfield. They cherry pick a point. Wasn't there a phone call? in the Trump Tower? Are you kidding me? You have a 300-page report, okay, that painstakingly goes through everything and shows that there was no collusion. But let's cherry-pick a phone call. I like Durham's answer on that, actually. Um, you know, he said, well, you're familiar with that, aren't you? Because Schiff himself uh, received a phone call. Everybody remembers, you know, the fake <laughs> From the Russian phone call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was, you know, he was buying it hook, line and sinker and all of that. But the point is, to me, my takeaway is this. I've been going to courts for 38 years now. And, when, and I think people find this interesting. And when we, we go to court, each side makes a common reasoned presentation to a judge or a jury. And we lawyers can tell, no matter which side of the case we're on, we can tell which side has the better side of it, the better argument. And in this matter, there is absolutely no question whatsoever uh, that the thing did not have legs. There was no collusion. There was no conspiracy. Nobody was a Russian agent, okay? And, and the fact of the matter is, to see this little political theatrics, I agree with you that it's not political theater, the hearing, but when you have these little five-minute speeches, and you oh, know sure. you can yeah. tell, yeah, you can tell whether it's a D or an R without even looking. Obviously, <clears throat> when you hear them talk, it's completely unproductive. Okay, and as I was telling my wife Joanne, it's interesting. You know, I'm sure a lot of people say, "Well, wait a minute, why don't they just do some work on behalf of our country instead of all this petty bickering 24 hours a day?" Yeah, well, you know, I'd love to get to that point too, Doug Burns. Folks, Doug Burns, former uh, federal prosecutor with the Department of Justice, chief of the criminal division in New York, discussing the Durham hearing today. We have more uh, clips of audio that I want to go over with Doug and limited time. So if you want to get a call in, now is the time. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. We're coming right back with Doug Burns. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So then, was there adequate predication for the FBI to open 
crossfire hurricane as a full investigation? On July 31st, in my view, based on our investigation, there was not a legitimate basis to open as a full um, investigation. Um, an assessment is something that had to be looked at, to gather information, such as interviewing the people who provided um, the uh, Papadopoulos information, checking their own databases, the databases of other intelligence agencies, and the standard kinds of things that you would do in an investigation like this. All right, again, that's um, former uh, special counsel John Durham testifying on Capitol Hill today in an open session of Congress. He did have a closed-door session yesterday. And our guest is Doug Burns, former chief of the criminal division for the Department of Justice, former federal prosecutor. Now, Doug Burns, we're, we're continuing on this thread here. Um, and I don't want to repeat anything we've, we've already discussed, but I, I, I feel like so many people look at this and, and they wash their hands. You know, and earlier we had James O'Keefe on. And he said something about people just um, being content in their dissatisfaction with the system, per se. So they go, ah, who cares? It's crook A or crook yeah. B. But I, I want, like, you're an insider, right? Nobody's going to fire you because you don't work there anymore. Why do these things happen? Well, no, I mean, right now, there's two problems here. Number one, I've said to you a number of times that, you know, traditional criminal law, <clears throat> which is what I've been engaged in for decades, and politics don't really mix. So the point is, uh, you know, and I, I am repeating a point, but it's worth repeating. If you're going to cherry pick something and just, you know, run with it, it's crazy. In court, you know, it's so interesting. The judges really keep you honest. You cannot in court, and this is important, go anywhere near saying the type of stuff that Jerry Nadler was saying today. You would be shot down repeatedly rebuked, harshly slammed, etc. Because the point is, the guy was engaging in just completely reckless political rhetoric when discussing a legal matter. So here, what happened, just to translate it for everybody, and you know this because you've been talking about it probably for years, is that, okay, you had some preliminary information. Well, guess what? It wasn't credible. It wasn't true. Okay? It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a Harvard law professor, okay? Somebody said you know, that Donald Trump was urinating with prostitutes in Russia. Okay, fine. Look at it, investigate it. And here's the million dollar point. When you learn that it's not true, then you act accordingly. That's not what happened in this case, Rich. And when you look, obviously, at the you, you talk about powerful, devastating emails, you've got senior Federal Bureau of Investigation officials on the seventh floor saying Trump will not be president. We, I'll make sure that doesn't happen. That's a senior, senior FBI person. And if I may be a broken record, what's 10 times more troubling is that 50 percent of the people in this country probably have no idea about that particular fact. Yeah. And I talk to guys left and right all day long, <clears throat> cousin of mine who went to Harvard Law School, classmate of mine from the Cornell Law School. And what they do is they just throw overgeneralized, sort of meaningless, cherry-picked one-liners at me. Very now, these are lawyers doing this. Exactly. That, thank you for highlighting that. That's the point. And they turn around and they will say things <clears throat> with the, the level of intellectual heft to it, like, well, I'm sorry, I just think that Trump's conduct is terrible. I mean, this is a Harvard law graduate. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. But so, so hold on. You got to do now better we're than kinda, that. We're diagnosing the problem here, <clears throat> which right. is that 
for some reason in this media cycle we're in, it is like a magic trick. Let me just explain. You've got people who are busy. They're going to work. They're doing this. They're doing that. So they look at media and they just see a one-liner here and there. I do litmus tests all day long. I'll ask a cab driver. I'll ask a doorman. I'll ask a waiter. Anybody. I'll ask them topics of the day and like, yeah, yeah, you, uh, no, I didn't really hear about that. or Yeah, I might have heard something about that. So they know the point is <clears throat> those who are driving narratives know that you can really fool a lot of the people a lot of the time is the point. And so when a Jerry Nadler and, and Adam Schiff had the audacity, are you kidding me? They got hit with a Mack truck. There was no collusion from their, their knight in shining armor, Bob Mueller. Okay, forget Durham for a moment. Their right. knight in shining armor, there's no collusion. And today, June 21, 2023, they're doubling down that there was collusion. Are you kidding me? Right. Right. And yet somebody follows suit on that. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just amazed that there's still people behind them when they look over their shoulder that people still have their back. Folks, we're on with Doug Burns. It's absolutely remarkable that they can drive these type of narratives um, and get away with it, essentially, is the point I'm trying to make. So you've had Bob Marley, you've had the new special counsel, uh, Durham, pointing out that, you know, it was really, it really was a political hoax. And I don't mind a political hoax. If you study American history, you have political dirty tricks going back 150 years. But to bring law enforcement into it is right. just breathtaking. That's amazing. How do we stop it from happening? Because, uh, again, from my perch, I look and I say, this um, is not exclusive to Merrick Garland, but he's definitely not doing anything to prevent it. And it almost seems like he's very happy to go along with it. People wiser than I have pointed out over and over again, um, and Professor Dershowitz has, has argued very effectively that we really should have sort of two positions, you know, at that high level. One is more like an objective public prosecutor, Rich, and then the other one's more in the nature of the president's sort of advisor, AG, you know, you could have almost like two positions. So to answer your question, you know, after Watergate, you know, there are a lot of things, a lot of statutes were passed, a lot of uh, policies and regulations and stuff. So coming out of this, I'm hoping, seriously, <clears throat> that we will see some reform. Because part of what you were teeing up earlier is the need to reform the FBI. Yep. That's, that's the oversight function. And we'll leave that one for another day. Doug Burns, former chief of the criminal division in New York, Department of Justice, retired. Doug Burns, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. New documentary from Cindy Drew here from the Epic Times. You don't want to miss it. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. America. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. And I wanted to um, connect very quickly with Cindy Drukir. She's a distinguished film director. She's just got a documentary that's out. Journalist, editor, and producer. Uh, you've seen her on television. She hosts NTD News' The Nation Speaks. That's on Epic TV. Uh, she's 
hosted numerous other programs. She has involvement with various award-winning documentaries, including the Holocaust film Finding Manny, which uh, my buddy Stephen Baldwin was involved with as well. And she's just terrific. And uh, this includes um, the perspective and experiences of survivors, including her own father. And you can also check out Finding Manny on Epic TV. Cindy Drew here. Welcome. Thank you, Rich. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for staying up late. I know that you're uh, out of New York. And <laughs> it's uh, it's 1130 at night in New York. And um, we uh, we 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 love to do late night radio here because there's so many people out there that are busy during the day doing work and don't get to hear about all the great things you're doing. So let's uh, talk about your documentary. I know that, pardon me, it was selected uh, for one of the big film festivals here in in the city, uh, the 2023 festival of cinema in New York city. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's talk about this because the film, this current film, the, the latest one, it, it, this, this one is called the unseen crisis. And I want you to tell us why you chose that namesake and what people can expect to see. Sure. So the unseen crisis, it's about people who stood up, got their COVID-19 vaccine as they were encouraged to do, and then had really horrible outcomes. So some people actually, you know, people already know that there's, you know, myocarditis. That's actually something, you know, the FDA and CDC have admitted to and some blood clotting and you know, anaphylaxis, Guillain-Barre. Okay, those are things they've admitted to, but 80% of the people who have a bad reaction to the vaccine, it's actually a neurological reaction. And they have a a strange constellation of symptoms, which are pretty consistent, but not easily recognizable when they go to the emergency room. So the unseen crisis has a few different elements to it. One is the fact that it's just not being acknowledged and recognized. And the CDC, FDA, NIH, they know about it, but they have yet to acknowledge it and say this is a real problem and, you know, tell doctors in emergency rooms, hey, this could be, um, you know, a problem people have after the vaccine. This is how you test for it. Here's what to look for. Here's how you treat it. And because they're not doing that, when people go to the emergency room, the doctors do what they expect to be the normal tests and MRI and x-rays and things, and it doesn't show anything. But these people are really, really sick. And they end up getting a diagnosis that they're crazy. And then that goes on their record when they go into the next emergency room. It's like, oh, this is a crazy person. And it's only because they're not acknowledging it. So this is part of the unseen crisis, right? These poor people are being told they're crazy instead of getting treatment. And, And the horrible thing about it is they know that early treatment is a key to reversing the impacts and having a much better chance of recovery. And the longer it goes, like there's two people in the film we're in wheelchairs mm-hmm. with feeding tubes now because they never got diagnosed and they never wow. got treatment. So that's part of what's being the unseen. Also, when these people, you know, try to talk about vaccine injury, you know, bad impacts of the vaccine online, to this day, they're still censored. So, you know, they're censored from social media. They've, you know, had, you know, support groups that have been taken down. They've had, you know, no end of trouble just communicating. They've like, figured out ways to like communicate and code just to find each other and, you know, share what they've learned about how to get treatment and that kind of thing. And then there's another layer to it too. The doctors 
you know, who've come forward during COVID, some of them, you know, came forward with other treatment protocols instead of, you know, early treatment. Right. Um, and then they moved on to treating vaccine, recognizing vaccine injury, looking into it and trying to figure out how to treat it and give these people some help. And, you know, they get censored, they get their licenses threatened, they get fired from their jobs. So there's a lot of different levels to it. And another level, actually, is that there's a lot of people who don't even know that strange new health problems they've had started when they got the vaccine and can probably be attributed to the vaccine. So there's a whole swath of the population that probably has vaccine injury, probably has the impact from the, you know, the spike protein um, that they don't even realize. So that's also one scene. Wow. Folks, we're on with Cindy Drukir. She's a host on NTD News, and she's the producer of the documentary film, The Unseen Crisis. And straight ahead, I want to find out uh, the inspiration behind the documentary and how um, you kind of diced up all of the complexity that goes into this, because you just rattled off, uh, you know, three or four significant areas from from doctors to underreported vaccine injuries to the cover-up and, and media censorship of it as well. So I want to pull on each of those threads when we return. Cindy is with us until the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. The virus stops with every vaccinated person. In other words, you become a dead end to the virus. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. I never knew that was going to be the last time I'd talk to my son. They know at a very intimate level what's going on with this. They know all of it. And yet, nobody's coming to the rescue of truth. All right, that is from the new documentary by Cindy Drukir, The Unseen Crisis. You could find that on Epic TV. Cindy Drukir listening to that very dramatic uh, production value sound terrific um what was the inspiration to focus this documentary on on those unique areas that you kind of mentioned uh, right before the break uh, which were you know the impact of the vaccine injuries and uh, it seems like nobody else is talking about it what made you decide to to have, pick up the mantle and have that conversation yeah, I think that you just hit it on the head because people aren't talking about it. I mean, you mentioned my show, The Nation Speaks Ahead. So I, you know, from fairly early on in the vaccine rollout, I started to see report things on social media about people who are vaccine injured. And I started to interview people and I, I interviewed several. And their stories were completely shocking because these are people you know, especially people early on were early adopters, you know, two people in the film were actually in trials, you know, people, these are frontline oh, wow. workers, people who believed in it. Yeah. One was a 12 year old girl, Maddie DeGarry. She was in the Pfizer trial. She's now in a wheelchair to this day with a feeding tube 
and nobody will acknowledge what happened. And the same day she got her second shot, she started to, you know, she had reactions and like, like that landed her in the emergency room, completely tragic stuff. You know, a dad whose 16 year old son died of myocarditis five days after getting his shot, really tragic things. And I, I interviewed, you know, I interviewed several people and um, actually the, I, an early one was after Senator Ron Johnson, who's also in the film. He's the only member of Congress who's, you know, really been looking into this and trying to give voice and, you know, get to the bottom of what's going on. So I just realized that, yeah, nobody is talking about it. It's, you know, still completely censored. Are, are, we put just the trailer on YouTube. It was gone instantly. So that's still the level of censorship. And these people, it's completely... To me, it was just unconscionable that as a society, we would do this because there's not a single drug in your medicine cabinet that doesn't have warning labels on it, right? It isn't good for right. anyone. <laughs> Don't take it. You can't even buy a beer or a cigarette no. without a warning label. Exactly. So why is this the one drug that was developed very quickly you know, with all kinds of you know, issues associated with that, that this is good for 100% of people, doesn't matter the age, you know, they don't know the long term impact. Nobody can. It hasn't, there hasn't been the long term yet. And everyone was supposed to take it, you know, without exception. How, do, how does that make sense? And then these people who actually stood up and got their shot and, you know, are living still with the consequences, they're ignored and not allowed to tell their stories. And so I thought it's not even enough just to share the stories, but to actually go to their homes and see how it's impacting daily life, how it's impacted their whole families, how it's turned their worlds upside down is, you know, going to be a lot more powerful. But an interesting thing I learned, and I mean, there's so many facets. Mm-hmm. I mentioned a couple of them, you know, before the break. But in a, on an inspirational note, these people are amazing. <laughs> like, I met right. some of the most incredible people in the community of people that is kind of built around this. As You know, one person, Bree Dressen, who started a, an organization to raise money, you know, to help people with their medical bills, because most of what, you know, the, the treatments they're seeking are not covered by insurance. And it's, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, she said, it doesn't matter, you know, what if you're conservative or liberal or what you are, you, you come to this group, you're like, I'm, I'm very sick. I might be dying. I need help. And everyone just rallies around. And it's just this incredible group. And it's exactly what I experienced. So, you know, there's some inspiration here, too. You know, if the system isn't going to help and is discarded these people, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. And they're getting it done. And here, here's a good data point for that. So React 19 that Brienne Dressen co-founded to raise money, 100% of all the money they raise goes to help, goes to pay for vaccine-injured medical bills. They have dispersed half a million dollars. You know how much the federal government has dispersed in in helping people in compensation? I think it's, it's 8400 or $8,600 to four people, period. Wow. That's it. And, uh, you know, there's tens of thousands, we have no idea how many people are out there suffering. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people don't even know that, you know, they're vaccine injured. Unbelievable. Folks, we're on with Cindy Drew Care. She's uh, with NTD News, the Epic Times, and she is the uh, producer of this new documentary, The Unseen Crisis. And this is something that um, I think is really interesting because you're a journalist, right? I, I know you professionally. I know your work on, on Epic TV. 
this is not your forte per se, right? You're not an expert on vaccines or vaccine injury. This is just a, a new beat that you're covering. And I think it's important to note that because you're not an activist pro or anti-vaccination. This is really just you following the news, right? Yeah, 100%. I am absolutely not an expert in any of this. I don't have any medical background. I've learned a lot, you know, going sure. through this. But yeah, and everything in the film is like people's personal stories and then data from the government or Pfizer. Like there, there's nothing in here that's speculative, not documented. There's nothing tinfoil hat in here. This is just like straight up, you know, what I found. And everything is, it's just journalism, right? As you said. And to me, the shocking thing was that this wasn't being covered. You know, the the... The pandemic affected all of us. They were telling everybody to get the shot. This is definitely, you know, human interest stories, definitely relevant to every audience everywhere. And yet right. it wasn't a story. How, how, how is that possible? 100%. Folks, stick with us. We're on with Cindy Drew here. I'm going to let you know how you can watch the film. And if you have any questions uh, for her about the film, feel free. This is your time. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337 833 for Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We are on with Cindy Drucare from NTD News, the Epic Times. She's the producer of the new film, The Unseen Crisis. And this documentary uh, talks about lots of things uh, with respect to vaccine injuries. Uh, Cindy Drucare, in the few minutes we have remaining, I want to to get your take on what you feel is the most um, shocking revelation from the reports that came out not too long ago that the source of COVID-19 was a potential lab leak. Um, Well, I would say not too shocking to us. Uh, I think in April or May 20, no, I think it was April 2020, we made a documentary on the origins of COVID-19 and pointed directly at the Wuhan lab. Everything all along has pointed to the lab, not to the wet market. If you know, you looked at things carefully, but just like the vaccine injury, that was taboo to talk about. It was censored to talk about. And now you know that it's becoming an unavoidable conclusion. Okay. (laughs) You know, you, you can talk about it. But yeah, there was just reporting recently by some investigative journalists, uh, not us, and I haven't verified it myself, but Matt Taibbi and others who do, Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger, do great work. And they have, uh, it looks like the original patients were three scientists who worked in that lab, including um, a scientist by named Ben Hur, who is like the number two to the bat lady. And he was the one working most closely with this gain of function research with coronaviruses. That's a very close cousin to the one that got out. So, yeah, it looks like that might be the smoking gun to where the evidence has been pointing all along. 
fascinating, isn't it, how uh, many talked about this. And there were even some doctors in China that talked about it. And then they kind of stopped talking because nobody could find them. But now, now that this is the case and it's known by many, including like former directors of the, of the CDC, uh, Robert Redfield and others, uh, have, have um, agreed that this is likely the source. Um, what's your response to critics that, you know, would label you or anybody else saying, no, this lab leak, you're not following the facts. This is just you being a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, it seems with every conspiracy theory, you know, as, as you say, just wait a few months, wait six months. Right. Um, they, you know, if you were following the actual evidence and the facts, then if they lead you somewhere, that's what you have to talk about. Nobody was making stuff up, stuff up out of thin air when they said that. If you actually looked at the evidence that was being presented, you know, objectively, you would probably come to the same conclusion. So, I mean, and we've learned this lesson over and over again. It's the same thing with the vaccines. You know, Australia, they just, you know, they're not giving them, you know, vaccines to under five-year-olds anymore. And, you know, in Europe, they stopped giving it to young people. Like, the evidence is there for all of these things. Most things that are, you know, labeled conspiracy theories actually are have pretty logical reasons why people are espousing them. And, you know, that's the case with the lab leak. Same thing with the vaccines. Now, let's talk about how uh, people can see the film, The Unseen Crisis. If people are intrigued and they want to check this out and, and, you know, see the film, share it with somebody, what do they have to do? Yeah, the easiest way to find it is to go to unseencrisis.com. So it's actually on FBOC TV, as you mentioned. But if you go to unseencrisis.com, it'll take you directly there. If you're an Epic Times subscriber, you'll get it for free. And if not, it's just $4 and you'll get the film plus four weeks of all of Epoch Times, Epoch TV, all our documentaries, our shows, everything. So it's a pretty good deal for just $4. Now, what do they get for 4 bucks? What what does the, all that include? What shows, What um, what's that package look like? Yeah, so if um, Epoch, so there's Epoch Times, which is the newspaper website, which has you know, hundreds of articles a day. We cover, you know, vac- everything to do with COVID very heavily. Lots of things. Great site. If you haven't been there, all great politic- political coverage. And Epoch TV, which is our streaming platform. We've got, you know, one great show called American Thought Leaders. <laughs> the host is actually the executive producer of the film. All right, Yanni Kalik, also my husband. <laughs> so good man. We've got about a good man. Um, you know, maybe 20 or more show we've got you know talk shows and culture shows and a whole bunch of uh, film on there there's epoch cinema so there's a lot of things that you'll get access to crossroads with joshua phillips another great show of ours um so yeah there's a lot of great content i think if you watch if you're not a subscriber after four weeks probably you'd want to become a permanent subscriber all right that's eposch.tv eposch.tv Cindy Drew here thank you for being with us tonight and sharing all of this great info I appreciate it I appreciate it too thanks Rich have a good night you're welcome Cindy take care my best to Jan all right folks more to come straight ahead we're going to continue with Open Phone America 833-4-VALDEZ 833-482-5337 we're coming right back the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, and that's uh, Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Valdez with an S at the end, by the way. And our phone number, if you want to join us, this is the time to do it. Open Phone America is a long, time-tested tradition here on this program, and you're welcome to join us. 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. Now, there's been a lot of talk about this submarine that's been missing for a few days. I haven't really gotten into it because I was hoping that something would happen and we'd hear, you know, it's been found. Uh, but it's still not found. A rescue hopes for missing Titanic submarine hinge on a new banging sound that they're trying to um, find with only hours left uh, with respect to the amount of oxygen they're calculating is available on board. This is the um, Ocean Gate Expedition submersible with five on board, including uh, British billionaire Hamish Harding. So, as we know more, we'll bring you more, but I just think it's interesting. Like, man, you know, you, you got all the money in the world, and you decide, I'm going to go uh, on a little expedition here. And you go on this submarine to see what's going on. You know, can we find the Titanic? Let's see what's down below there. And then it, it itself goes missing. And it's a very unfortunate, really is. But that's what it is. And I just can't help but think, you know, I've heard some critics saying, oh, look, you know, this is a, you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because, I mean, come on. People like to do things. They like excursions. They like different things. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Fault everybody for for trying, for trying something new, for doing... You know, I mean, I don't think it's fair to, to say, like, you know, if you meet your maker, it's on you. It's your fault. No, I think it was an unfortunate incident. You know, it's not something that we can necessarily blame on any one person, per se, <clears throat> or, you know, oneself for deciding to check it out. Anyway, the crew searching for the missing sub has been hearing banging sounds every 30 minutes and for hours uh, throughout the day today on Wednesday. This has been going on since yesterday, and uh, they've deployed additional sonar devices. So I guess wherever this thing is downed or stuck or whatever, uh, they're, they're trying, at least it seems that way, they're trying to communicate with whoever the rescuers are with this banging sound. At least that would be my supposition. They're just you know hoping they can find it in time. And the U.S. Coast Guard has clarified that they don't know the source of the noise. The, the, the ship is called the Titan, and the, um, the CEO and founder of Ocean Gate Expedition, Stockton Rush, um, has is, is also, excuse me, let me rephrase here. The CEO and founder of Ocean Gate Expedition's Stockton Rush is on the the submarine along with the British billionaire Hamish Harding um, 
French diver Paul Henry Narjolet. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but we use the French pronunciation here. And uh, Pakistani businessman Shazada Dawood and his 19-year-old son Suleiman Dawood. Uh, Mr. Dawood's sister Sabrina Dawood told Sky News that the Dawood family is solely focused on the rescue of her brother and nephew and are hopeful for their safe return. So it stinks, but the watercraft uh, submerged on Sunday morning from its support vessel to travel to the Titanic wreckage, which is at a depth of 12,500 feet. And that's about an hour and 45 minutes when um, it lost any communication with the surface ship known as the Polar Prince. So that's what we know. That's what we've known for the last couple of days. We'll see what's going on. Some say that this thing is scheduled to run out of air today. Lamentably, this is a 22 foot submarine, what they call submersible, uh, operated by Ocean Gate Expeditions. And uh, this thing costs a quarter million dollars per person. And like I said, I haven't really talked about this because I think it's a sad story. And not only is it a sad story, but it's a uh, it's one of those things where, I, what do I know? I've never been on a submarine before. I went snorkeling once, and I was like, man, that's enough for me. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't do this. This is a little bit out of my comfort zone, way, way too out of my comfort zone. But I want to know if you would. If you would, give me a call. Let me know what your thoughts on this are. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see where the country's at on a topic like this because I, I don't know. Would you do it? Would you not do it? What's the craziest thing you've done, right, uh, in terms of, you know, going on a submarine. I think that's pretty crazy. If, if you've ever been on a submarine other than your military service, and even if you've been in the military, uh, j- give me a call. I'd love to know what your experience was like uh, because I've got nothing on this one. This is, uh, it's hard to do the, the play-by-play on something you've just never been a part of. Anyway, your calls and more are coming up. Plus, I want to get into a couple of things. We also have a, um, hold on, bear with me, bear with me. A bunch of uh, crazy things are happening. A massive prison riot killed dozens of women at a prison in Honduras. Meanwhile, a huge explosion and fire has injured dozens of people in Paris. What is going on in the world tonight? And, of course, Adam Schiff was censured by the House of Representatives for his false allegations on President Trump during the Russian collusion investigation. That's just a few of the things that are going on. Another one I want to talk about, this is a good one. I'd like to know your thoughts on this as well. Elon Musk says that cis, C-I-S, and cisgender are considered slurs on Twitter. Uh, I agree with that, but what say you? Anyway, your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Going to your calls and more as we uh, continue straight till 1 a.m. I'm here to keep you company. And our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Ohio. Check in with my buddy Paul listening online. And uh, just a reminder for everybody who's listening online or hasn't been to the website, make sure you check it out, richvaldezamericaatnight.com richvaldezamericaatnight.com. This website, you can uh, stream the program live. You could not only listen live, you could listen to archived shows. If you like to listen to the podcast, which is, you know, a replay of the show that's delivered daily, you can do that as well and subscribe to it. So you get notifications every time a brand new uh, podcast episode of the radio show is live. Plus there's This Is America, my separate podcast, that's only, um, you know, 40 minutes. That is a, a not a deep dive, but it hits a few different topics very quickly. Usually no guests, just commentary. Sometimes I'll bring in a guest, though, or I'll repeat something because I think it's important. Either way, um, I want you to check it out. Rich Valdez, com. Now, let's check in with Paul in Zanesville, Ohio. Paul, go ahead. Hey, uh, Rich, I'd just like for everybody to uh, say a prayer for those guys that are down there because... 12,500 feet, that's a long way down. They could have got snagged up on anything, you know, and yeah. they, they have only got enough oxygen till the morning. So I, it's not looking good, in my opinion, Rich, you know. And mm. I, I wanted to uh, ask you something. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Why, why, why can't the justice system, like the Supreme Court justices and so forth, why can't they expedite, you know, um, all these whistleblowers and everything saying, I have the evidence, I have the evidence. Why can't they say, because this is very important, you know, this is this is our president and our vice president and everything, uh, our, our former president. Why can't they say, I want to see that evidence, I want to hear that evidence within the next two months, give them due process. And if they don't give you that evidence, can't they be held in contempt or something? Because you're doing... Well, see, here's the thing. Uh, I mean... I understand your frustration, and here's what happens, at least from my understanding of it. What we're hearing right now are all political accusations, right? There's no crime. Matter of fact, if anything, the FBI, who is the group, right, or the entity here that could actually, um, you know, investigate and then arrest people, they're the ones that have the, the, the quote-unquote evidence of the alleged bribery, right? So they're the ones holding on to it, saying we don't want to show you or we'll show you, but you've got to come to our office, that type of thing. Now, they finally did agree to give it up uh, and showed it to Grassley, but there, there's mention of audio recordings and they're saying they don't even know if those exist. So my point is there is no criminal charge right now on 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 anybody for, for this, you know, um, for this particular $5 million. This is the House providing oversight bringing this to the attention of the American people. So the Supreme Court being the, the last stop on the bus, you know, when it comes to a constitutional question or a constitutional issue in the law, uh, they're not going to be the first ones and they're not going to volunteer themselves because they're not law enforcement per se. They're just there to interpret the Constitution. So that's where it becomes kind of mired, where we, we, we feel like, man, we're seeing all of this stuff, 
But this isn't a court of law. This is Congress. So what typically Congress would do is make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice so that they could go ahead and charge them with a crime. Uh, but again, we've seen that happen. Special counsel, Durham, uh, Mueller, et cetera. It's very difficult to charge anybody with, with a crime if, um, you know, unless their name is Trump, right? If their name is Trump, then it's easy to charge them and you can get all sorts of uh, indictments and, and get all sorts of charges filed. But otherwise, it, it doesn't seem to be happening that way uh, based on what, what I'm seeing, Paul. So if you have a rogue FBI, you're up the crick. Exactly. It's funny. This is the example that I used to make on the radio. I remember following the 2020 election, people telling me, but, you know, that they've gone to court. And, and I would say, you know, if, if you go to because, again, I worked in Manhattan. Um, if you get robbed in New York City. Most people aren't going to go to the police department, right, to to a precinct and say to the desk sergeant, hey, I was just robbed. And the reason they're not going to do it is because. Uh, you, it makes no sense to, right? It's not like they're going to say, oh, Mr. So-and-so, we're so sorry that happened to you. Let me deal with you very quickly and uh, introduce you to our sergeant of detectives, the chief of our detective bureau. We're going to de- assign detective so-and-so, and we're going to get to the bottom of this very quickly and arrest the culprit. Lamentably, that's not what happens. In New York City, they take a number. Maybe we'll get to you now. Maybe we'll get to you later, if anything at all. And, and no detective is going to be assigned, and it's not going to happen. So, you know, I often used to tell people, you know, if you get robbed in New York City and you just don't go uh, or if you go to to the desk sergeant and they're like, hey, come back later because I'm busy. It doesn't mean your crime didn't happen. It just means they didn't record it. And and lamentably, that's how it is. So it's kind of like here where you're saying if we have a rogue FBI or we up the creek. Uh, yeah, we totally are, because when you have the guys that aren't rogue. Uh, or who are going rogue, let's just say the whistleblower saying, look, I don't want to play with you guys anymore. I don't, I don't want to do things this way. This is wrong. We're seeing them pull the resources off of the Hunter Biden investigation on, on tax fraud. And voila, here we are today with two very minimal crimes uh, that he's being charged with. So I think we have the whistleblowers that have said what they've said. And, you know, a few people came to their aid, their defense, um, you know, supported them. But it wasn't like any charges were, were, were filed or made. This was just um, correcting the public record. Okay, Rich. Well, you know, this, like the old saying goes, uh, show me the money, you know, or show me the evidence, I guess. Right. I'm Always with nice you, brother. To you, Rich. Likewise, Paul. Thank you. And I wish that wasn't the case, right? I wish we actually had a better handle on things where bad guys are held accountable and uh, they pay the price. But it doesn't seem that way just yet uh, or anymore. I don't know, whichever phrase you want to go with. Uh, Let us continue. Let's go to Kim in Shields, Michigan, listening on KDKA online. Go right ahead, Kim. Hi, Rich. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, what, What I want to talk about is I'm glad they're censoring Adam's ship. But I still think that when they took that vote a couple weeks ago, the Adam Schiff's phony investigation uh, cost the taxpayers $32 million. And they want, yeah. and Lauren Bober wanted to censor him for $16 million for half the cost of that 
three-and-a-half-year phony investigation that was all lies, and and Thomas Massey wouldn't go along with it. And that's a real disappointment. I think that they should have socked him with that. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I think we can't uh, change the rules just because we don't like the players. Right. So when it comes to serving in Congress, whether it's Congresswoman Kim or Congressman Rich Valdez, the 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 rules are that uh, under the speech and debate clause, all the members of Congress have qualified immunity. Right. So they get to go in there and and be robust in their work and do, you know, in good faith, they, they have to do this job and and do it well. And the reason they do that is because they they know that they're not going to be held to any um, standard. Like if this thing doesn't fly right, you're going to be on the hook for $16 million. Right. So while one side of that coin, it's like, Oh, then they could act with impunity. Uh, And the other side of that coin is, well, I mean, if I'm going to get hung out to dry here for 16 million, I'm not even going to bother investigating. Nobody's ever done anything. Right. It goes back to like that theory where, it's too steep of a penalty to do the right thing. So I just won't do anything. And I think that's where we are. So I don't want to see Adam Schiff on the hook for the, for the money. I'd like Adam Schiff to be censured, which he was today. And if there were any crimes committed, he should pay the price for those crimes that he committed, whatever they may be, whether it was, you know, fraud or this or that or whatever. In this case, he lied to the American people. And I don't know how you could uh, quantify that, but I would say that, you know, if they if they went beyond um, censure and were able to get him um, expelled, that would probably send a really good message to other members of Congress to tell the truth when when they're asked. And, And that's kind of where I'm at, Kim. Yeah. And I want to say I really like James O'Keefe, too. I love his investigation. Oh, he's terrific. Yeah, you know, I worked with O'Keefe. I ran the national part of his company. Um, it was a nonprofit and for 2014 and 2015. And it was an excellent time. We did a lot of great work together. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate you. Godspeed to you. We're coming right back, folks. Open Phone America, your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. 900 miles east of Massachusetts, Canadian air crews continue to drop sonar buoys and report hearing unusual noise in the water both yesterday and today. 
Planes, ships, and drones are now aggressively searching a grid near the sunken Titanic. But so far, nothing. The Navy now reviewing all sonar contacts. Can you describe what the noise sounds like that they're hearing? The noises have been described as banging noises. Uh, but again, they have to put the whole picture together in context, and they have to eliminate uh, potential man-made sources other than the Titan. Underwater acoustics experts caution the ocean is noisy. Heavy ship traffic, even fish and whales, can sound like tapping. But the noise also means hope that the five men on board the sub are still alive, trying to communicate. All right, that's uh, NBC News with the report. And this is, um, again, big story. I'd never heard of this happening before, of a sub going down. I'm sure it has. just hasn't happened while I've been looking. And I haven't seen it get so much traction, but when... Uh, it's the, 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 the dog days of summer. Uh, that's what happens. And I guess it's not technically summer yet, right? Or is today the first day of summer? Anybody? Can we, somebody check? That? Yes. Summer now. Look at that. All right. It's summer now. So, um, yeah, when it's the dog days of summer, sometimes you don't have enough to report on. And uh, stories like this become a big deal. But I'm curious to know, would you do this type of thing? Uh, let's go to the phones. 833-4-Valdez. Let's go to Arnold calling from Manitoba. Arnold, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi. Hello. Yes, sir. You're live on the radio right now. Hi. Who can I talk to? <laughs> what is this, like a, a cruel joke? What, what, are you looking for a delivery, or did you call to talk on the radio? What's going on? I'm talking Why they don't attach... A strong one-inch cable when they let this submarine down into the ocean. I'm thinking it's because it's 12,000 feet, or a little more than that, and I don't think that they have cable that goes for 12,000 feet. I could be wrong. I don't know. Have you done this type of work before? Are we, are we on the radio station now? Live, six and a half million people are listening to you, Arnold. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. Ships can, can carry thousands of tons. Why don't they have cable on there? It would take a phenomenal roll of cable, let's say one inch, to let it down on, with, a tail bed, with a cable attached to the submarine for safety. But my question to you is, can they attach 12,000 feet of cable? Of course they can. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that these was a thing. That seems like a, a lot of feet. These ships, well, that's only three miles of cable. Hey, these ships are so massive. They, look what they can carry. Army tanks and jet liners and whatever. Well, point well taken. I don't know anything about that. Uh, it sounds like you know a lot more about it than I do. So uh, we're going to let them know <laughs> at the... Uh, at the um, submersible company that they need to be using cable. Thank you, Arnold from Manitoba. I didn't even know we were playing in Manitoba, so I appreciate you listening. And uh, thanks for letting me give you a hard time. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call. Let us continue. Let's talk with Bill on KUGR in Green River, Wyoming. Go right ahead, Bill. Hi, Rich. Back in the early 60s, a couple of Frenchmen got together and built, built this thing called the Trieste. And they took it down to 6.7 miles in the Mariana Trench into the Challenger Deep. And uh, 
you know, hey, this is a private entity. It wasn't the government or anything. But the thing is, after they did that, we lost the USS Treacher, which was was our first nuclear submarine uh, Mm -hmm. while it was out doing uh, diving uh, trials. uh, And we suddenly it went down. We could we couldn't understand it. So they used the Trieste to go out there and actually investigate what took the Treacher down. And they could they couldn't find it with anything that the Navy had. They had to use this privately made uh, bath escape, as they called it, to go out and find the USS Treasure. And after they had done that, the United States Navy bought this from the Frenchman and proceeded to use it for themselves. And it finally wound up going to the uh, to the woods uh, oceanographic uh, institute out there in California and uh, got retired into a uh, into a museum. They they took pieces of it and used it on a Trieste two, which was out outperformed the Trieste original. But this thing, like I said, went down to six point seven miles. This this thing that they're looking for is down around two point one two point one. So it's right. it's a step backwards from the technology that the people in the French, that the French came up with back in the early 60s. So if they can't find something that can go down to 2.1 miles and find this thing, they're not trying very hard. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Are they are they really looking for this group of people or did they want them to disappear? I don't know. I don't know any about this. Uh, again, I, I find the whole story um, rather... Um, Interesting. I'll, I'll use that word uh, for lack of many other words, because, again, I'm pretty sure this happens all the time. If you have a tour company that does this and they go down there all the time, you know, what went wrong this time? Was it because you had all these big wigs on there? Are there always big wigs on these things? I, I have so many questions about this and I don't know anything about it. I don't know if, if you can attach a cable that's two or three miles long. Uh, I don't know how any of this stuff works, but fascinating to me that, you know, we, the, similar has happened in the past and we were able to, to get to the bottom of it, so to speak. And we're not able to do that this time. Bill in uh, Green River, New York, I appreciate it. And let me ask you, um, what's your take on all the political stuff that, we, that happened today with, um, with um, the former special counsel, John Durham? You're asking me? Yes, sir. Bill on okay, KUGR. Well, I'm I, I, I really, uh, quite frankly, ignore this because this government is as corrupt as any government that's ever been on the planet, all the way from the bottom to the top. Yeah, We're dealing I, I, with I criminals, disagree. dealing with criminals. It's, it's, a, it's a gigantic RICO operation. Yeah, so well if we put. don't treat it like a gigantic, gigantic RICO operation, we may as well just bend over and kiss ourselves goodbye. Now, you're in Green River. Do you guys miss Liz Cheney? Uh, I don't know anybody that missed her. But the bottom line <laughs> is, is that a lot of people don't know, don't know what a complete idiot she made herself out of when she first got here. She and her husband, whose name she never uses, flew in from Virginia and flew into, uh, into the um, uh, Jackson Hole International Airport. Amazingly mm-hmm. enough, it is an international airport, and uh, and then they got that got themselves a car and went up into Wilson and bought themselves a, mil, a multi million dollar mansion, 
And then she went down to the only sporting goods store in Teton Village, which is where Jackson Hole Ski Area is. And she bought her and she signed up for a resident fishing license in Wyoming. The only problem was is that she wasn't qualified to get a resident fishing license in Wyoming because she hadn't been here for the 365 days that she had to continuously be here to qualify as a resident. Mind you, this woman is an attorney. Okay, so if an attorney does paperwork without reading it, the attorney can't be very bright. In any case, she wound up getting routed to the U.S. magistrate in Jackson where she got to explain her perjury. And basically, if you and I had done this, we have gone to speak on straight to federal prison. Okay. Right. Because she committed a felony. She committed a felony in front of a whole bunch of witnesses. Okay. But all she had to do was pay a $600 fine and say she wouldn't do it again and got a wrist slapped and went off. Well, her plan had been to run against Mike Enzi for his Senate seat. Well, she and daddy just got together and decided, well, this might not be a good idea to continue with this with this political campaign after what you've done and made a fool of yourself. International fool. This story was covered internationally. You can still find it on the internet. Anyway, they gave it a couple of years to, for the people in Wyoming to forget, which is typical. I mean, you give anybody a couple of years to forget a politician acting like a jackass. It's probably going to happen. So after two years, instead of trying for NCC, which wasn't available any longer, then she went, she, she went in and basically took the seat for Lummis uh, and became, that's how she got her house seat. And wow. the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> That's, that is a great history. You, you might be in the running for um, uh, the resident historian here on America at Night. Uh, we have another great caller that, that uh, currently holds that title. But, Bill, that was terrific. Uh, your Wyoming history is on point. I appreciate the call. And a uh, big shout-out to everybody on KUGR in Green River, Wyoming. Godspeed, Bill. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, folks, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. In addition to being forced to give up our awards and our titles and our opportunities, the NCAA forced me and my female swimmers to swim to share a locker room with Thomas. 
a six foot four, 22 year old male equipped with and exposing male genitalia. Let me be clear about this. We were not forewarned we would be sharing a locker room. No one asked for our consent and we did not give our consent. And I'll, I'll set the scene as swimming locker room is not a place of modesty. You're undressing, you're fully exposed. And we were forced to take off our swimsuit in front of a man who was doing the exact same thing. If nothing else, I truly hope how you can see this as a violation of our right to privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. That was Riley Gaines, a former um, college swimmer that uh, was testifying on Capitol Hill today. And there's a Gallup poll. It just, it just came out recently. I, I spoke about it recently. I just want to circle back on it. Americans strongly oppose allowing biological males to join girls' sports. This uh, new Gallup poll reveals that the American public strongly opposes uh, allowing transgender females or biological males who transition to female to compete in women's and girls' sporting events. 69% say trans athletes should only be allowed to complete to, excuse me, to compete on teams that match their birth gender. And 26% say that athletes should be permitted to play on teams of their new gender identity. Now, the way that's worded, I'm going to go with that and say, I agree too. If you are a biological male that identifies as a female, then I think you should be competing against other biological males that believe that they are female. That, that to me, like a trans league, I think that's the uh, the answer here. The poll showed that opposition has grown over the last two years to trans athletes playing on teams of their new gender. Meanwhile, uh, the case of four female athletes who sued the state of Connecticut over its policy of allowing transgender athletes to compete according to their gender identity and not their biological sex was, again, heard on June 6th by the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York City, where a three-judge panel dismissed the lawsuit last December. So these four Connecticut residents who ran uh, high school track are all represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, or the ADF. And here's a quote. Like the district court, we are unpersuaded with respect to the claim for an injunction to alter records that plaintiffs have established the injury, in fact, and redressability requirements for standing. Both fail for reasons of speculation, and that was their reasoning uh, when this went to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, or the Second Circuit Court, excuse me, and that was their initial ruling. So we'll see exactly what happens here. But the poll remains the same. Nearly 70% of Americans oppose the idea of biological males playing against biological females. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. But I don't know. What do I know, right? I don't know anything about this stuff. But I want to get to your calls. Let us go to the phones, 833-482-5337. Now, I want to go to Albany, New York, Calling from Talk 1300-WGDJ, Linda. Let's get Linda on hold so we can get her on the phone. Linda from Albany, New York. Go right ahead. Uh, yes. 
I'm wondering, with so many important people on that ship that's missing, why they didn't have a second one just go along with them to have security purposes in case something went wrong. Yeah, I'm guessing probably like the same, like, you know, if you're on a private jet with five or six important people, uh, I'm pretty sure they don't have another private jet right behind it with, with you know, ancillary people for X, Y, and Z. Uh, I think most people, you know, get up in the morning and we don't expect to get hit by a car or to get struck by lightning or for anything like that to happen. And I'm guessing if you've got, you know, the courage to get on a submarine, because uh, I think it requires some courage. Maybe some do it without thinking, but I know for me, I wouldn't just uh, go on a submarine, I, especially not that far down. I think, what, what happens if this thing malfunctions? Can I swim 12,000 feet back to the to the top? I think not. Uh, I don't think I can do that. So I probably wouldn't put myself in that scenario. But I could see why people do it. They just, hey, yeah, let's do that. Let's go see the Titanic. Let's do what we got to do. Anyway, Linda, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Uh, big shout out to everybody in New York. And we're coming right back to your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Valdez here with you till 1 a.m. It's almost that time, Eastern time, New York time. Uh, let's go to Angelo from Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead. Yes. With all the technology and money that went into the submarine, uh, why couldn't they afford, like, the airplanes that they have a black box so that they could be located in case anything did happen? Yeah. Well, um, the black box on the airplane doesn't usually locate them. It just tells them what went wrong, has a snapshot of the computer, and it does. As far as I know, these these ships do have something called a voyage data recorder. Uh, of course, it's not going to tell them where it is. They're going to have to find the, the submarine first in order to retrieve the black box. And if they could find a submarine, we wouldn't have this problem to begin with. But I, I get your point. The problem with this is that it's gone too far underwater. And submarines are, you know, kind of designed to be stealth, right? They're, they're typically painted black and they, they, they blend into the darkness of the sea, in particular the salt water, which also adds to their anonymity because it prevents the um, sonar of ships from picking up the actual submarine being there. So, yep. They probably do have a black box known as a voyage data recorder, but who knows where this ship is right now. Thank you for the call, Angelo. I appreciate it. Take care. Good night and God bless. We'll do it again tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.